0: everybody, and thank you for joining today's webinar. Just a few housekeeping items before we begin. Everyone is on mute. This is to ensure optimal sound quality throughout the broadcast. We do encourage questions, so please type your questions into the Q&A widget in your console, and we'll get to those um, during the presentation um, and at the end of the presentation. Uh, Thank you very much, and Bev, take it away. Thanks. Um, So before we officially get started, I want each of you to just look at both my picture and Keith's picture. Um, It's obvious, Keith, that you love music as shown in your background. So if you could, um, who would be your go-to musician that you'd want to spend time with to pick his brain? Ooh, wow. I didn't see that one coming, but. uh, (laughs) That wasn't on the list, Keith. (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. But,
1: you know, this might become a musical conversation than a leadership coaching conversation. But uh, one question dead or alive?
0: Doesn't matter. You choose. Let's go live. Let's go live.
1: live. Well, dead Jimi Hendrix. Live would be uh, Tranastasio and, well, and of course, Jerry Garcia.
0: Okay. All right. So, I want everyone, I want to thank everybody for, dis- for um, coming to this webinar today. We greatly appreciate it. My name is Beverly Heyman and I'm the Director of Sales Enablement here at Brainshark. And in my role, I oftentimes am coaching sales reps and managers within Brainshark. I also get involved with coaching many of our Brainshark accounts on how they can work to be more effective with their coaching strategies. But for me, when I'm in a pickle and I need my go to person to give me insights on coaching, I go to Keith. He's my Jerry Garcia of coaching. And so, you know, Keith is the CEO of Profit Builders, which has been named one of the uh, best leading coaching programs worldwide. He's coached like over 3 million managers and salespeople globally, globally. And he's also the author of two books. And Keith, I'm so happy that you and I are doing this webinar today because in all the time we've known each other, we've never done something like this. So, I, mean, I agree I mean, with you. You know, let's make it fun.
1: Yes, and after all, maybe, maybe I mean some of the good things that come out of this pandemic, right? Beth?
0: Exactly. So, Keith, I want to get started. You know, you we've known each other probably for, you know, 6 plus years mm-hmm. and there's countless data out there that always shows when you effectively coach, you win more business, right? You you win more deals, your reps are more motivated, your customers are more happy. And yet here we sit here today, you know, six years later from when we've had this original com- conversation, and we're still in a similar situation where companies still struggle to help their managers coach effectively. Why do you think that is?
1: If, if I could put some uh, stats out there, the last time I checked, and this is uh, I f- this was, happened right, I guess, mid-pandemic, uh, uh, I think it was only uh, 38% of managers were actually trained on how to manage remotely. Forget about coaching remotely. That didn't even enter into this factor. I mean, the the most effective thing that managers can do today is learn how to coach effectively and consistently by using a a framework and a mindset that's going to help holistically develop the culture you want.
0: Got it. And what do you think? You know, we as advocates of coaching can be doing to have this discussion with our executive staff and just to build that better culture within our company.
1: Well, I think today, you know, and, and again, looking back at where we were eighteen, nineteen months ago, uh, it's fascinating that companies are doing the same thing just faster and expecting better results. Uh, there's no rule book anymore um, on how we live our lives, let alone lead, coach, and sell. Uh, that's why I've been working with clients to help develop that new playbook for success today. So. Uh, the the, the leaders right now the the managers out there that are making the most substantial impact, as well as salespeople, are the ones that realize that in order to drive greater results today, uh, managers and salespeople need to identify and uncover uh, the deeper, more meaningful conversations to connect themselves and with their clients uh, in a much more meaningful, trusting way. After all, I was talking to a client the other day, and they said, Keith, what I used to be able to do before the pandemic, meet with a client, have lunch, have dinner, have two hours of their time, now I'm doing that in a 30 or 45 minute call. So clearly the, there's a new mindset and new skill set that we all need to adjust and learn to be able to be just effective in this in, in this new hybrid world, which isn't going away.
0: Um, and Keith, you talk about meaningful conversations, and I know we're going to get into that a little bit later. I want to um, sort of flip the, the conversation here, because I want to talk about the challenge that we sometimes run into with um, first, first-time first managers, right? And so if, if I'm a sales leader, right, and I'm thinking of, of hiring for a sales manager role, um, you and I both know there are very different skill sets that come up for hiring you know a sales manager um, versus the skill sets that I would want for my rock star sales rep. So as that sales leader thinking about how to hire the right person, what advice would you give that person?
1: Uh, in terms of hiring the right sales frontline front sales manager? Correct. Oh gosh, are we talking about the interview process, the recruiting process, the onboarding process? Uh, to me, I think the you know, and even if it's finding the right leader, even if we're talking the interview process, one thing I see. Yeah, think, let's
0: do the interview process. I I think I was thinking about it more from that mindset.
1: Perfect, perfect. So. Uh, to me, looking, having worked with so many wonderful global organizations, the companies that have really nailed the recruiting and interview process actually have a minimum of nine to as much as 16 to 17 touch points that that candidate has to go through for them to even be considered to be hired. So a couple of things. Number one, That person better want the job very badly. Okay, (laughs) want to go through that process?
0: I was thinking that's a boat, a boatload of touch points, huh? (laughs) Exactly. And then
1: finally, uh, I think the biggest miss, and we can talk about behavioral interviewing questions, but anyone can fake um, anyone can fake uh, strategy. Okay, so uh, if I'm a salesperson, and especially now, unfortunately. Uh, companies are compromising their standards because they can't find the good people because they can't find anyone, so they're, they're making concessions on the ideal profile of their uh, you know, champion salesperson, and we all know where that's going to go. You, know, you will never make the wrong hire or right one, and that manager will spend the rest of their career trying to do so. Um, So, But to get back to your point about uh, recruiting, uh, one thing that, as I said earlier, anyone can fake strategy. If you were to hire, if you were to interview me and say, Keith, um, what would you do on the first day? First day on the job, what would your strategy be? And I would say, oh, Beth, you know what I would do? first thing i would do is i'd want to talk to as many people in the organization as i can because i really really want to get a sense of the culture and the core values of the company so i know i can live by those as well uh what i'd also love to do is talk to as many salespeople, top performers mid performers under performers i'd love to learn what they're doing i'd love for them to coach me Uh, and of course i'd be looking from coaching for you once once i do that then I'm going to write a business plan. and the business plan is going to be an outline, a strategic, very detailed outline of what I will do to achieve my quarterly and yearly goals. And you're thinking, this guy's a rock star, but <laughs> everyone can fake strategy. What you can't fake is communication. So one of the and, and I've heard some uh, some of my clients do something similar, but where I'm coming from is this. Um, you can fake how you engage and communicate with people. So for example, some uh, companies say, I want you to write an essay as to you know, why we should hire you, or I want you to write an, a bio about yourself. And you know that's okay, but the problem is, in between that time the person is asked to do so, and the time they hand that uh, assignment in, if you will, they could have gotten one of their buddies or a professional writer to do it. So mm-hmm. what if you tried this approach? and doesn't matter if the interview is face-to-face or again remotely and during one of the steps of the interview the interview process you share with the candidate okay in the next 20 minutes i'm going to send you three different emails one email is from a peer that you're collaborating with on a project one email is from a prospect that may be going with one of our competitors and one email is from a client um, that's uh, uh, infuriated about the quality of service and deliverables that they've been experiencing. I'm going to send these to you. Once you receive them, you have 20 minutes to respond to each email. So in 20 minutes, I need three responses back from you. Now, let's look at what we've accomplished here. Number one, That person can't go out and start Googling templates and find their (laughs) friends to write a a response. They have have 20 minutes to do this. Uh, Number two, you're going to very quickly uncover their writing acumen. You cannot fake this. And the scary thing is, since most of us are communicating via electronic form and email and social media, uh, when my kids were 10, they could have written better emails that I get from certain VP salespeople, and CEOs. So keep in mind, your brand is your communication. Before you can even make a deliverable or sell something, they're evaluating you by every touch point of how you engage and communicate. So you better make sure they're an effective communicator as well as written. So now when they send it back, you will see very quickly how they would handle each situation, how they would format it, how they would address it, and what you'll also learn is how effective they work under pressure. And th- I've heard countless clients say that was the linchpin that made my decision.
0: So, Keith, there are so many things I like about that, so I want to unpack it. So one <laughs> is, right, you're able to go from that 9 to 16 touch points. You know, you're condensing it, right? So, so that that's one thing that, that I love about it. Um, the, the second thing is, you know, communication is such a strong competency that you need, right? So you're, you're, you're getting immediate feedback on how this person communicates. And, you know, and the tone that they might use to a customer versus internal. So, so that, that all is, is very cool. And then the last thing which you didn't mention which came to mind for me is, um, if you choose to give any feedback to the three emails, you know how good are they receiving feedback? So, mm-hmm. you know that that's another key that that you want to know about this sales manager. Um, which, certainly, certainly which, which I want to loop to a me. question. Oh, I want to loop to a question that came in. Um, from from someone in the audience, and you know, they talked about what are the competencies that you think are important in a sales manager. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about the example you gave, right, you communications was one. But what other competencies do you think are you know the, the top three or four in hiring for a sales manager?
1: Sure, uh, I, I I've been working with leaders um, and and really helping them shift their mindset around what it means to do to engage with their people, develop coaches, as well as engage and uh, retain and win more business. And um, the new sales strategy today, the new leadership strategy today is very simple. It's care. It's care. Mm -hmm. Because as we are all going through things and everyone has gone through something and struggled through this pandemic in some way, so have our direct reports and so have our prospects and clients. And that's why I say earlier, this is an opportunity to humanize our approach to become more authentic selves when we're showing up, working with our peers, working with our team, working with our clients. You know, again, we've never had this level of exposure into people's lives than we've had today. After all, you're in my home, you're in my office, <laughs> in my happy place, I take requests by <laughs> but my point is we can immediately have a conversation and a connection and there hasn't been one conversation i've had with a client or a prospect that doesn't begin with hey keith what's what's who signed that guitar or you know what tickets are are those from because think about what connects people universally food dancing music sports and coaching right those are universal things, okay? So, so to me, uh, I find that before the pandemic, uh, you would pitch... Uh, a company or a client, and uh, you know maybe 20 minutes or so, thirty minutes would be on presentation, maybe ten minutes on, on warm up and connection. Now it's the antithesis that's flipped. Now when I'm having an hour long conversation with a prospect, maybe forty minutes is just us connecting on a personal level, and 20 minutes is just talking about the engagement, what they're looking for, uh, how can I best support them in achieving their objectives. Because again, just like we're all so thirsty for human connection, so are your clients and prospects. We need to empathize and connect with that uh, so we can have those deeper, more meaningful conversations that I mentioned before. And I want to throw out another scary statistic there because it really does support how critical this is, is um, at this point, I think it's about 76% of all companies have changed the way they buy. So procurement right. has right. changed. Uh, decision makers have changed. Influencers and advocates have changed. Decision making factors, timing, priority priorities have all been realigned and changed. Okay, seventy six percent of all companies. Only seventeen percent of companies have changed the way they sell.
0: Right. That's. It's an amazing gap, isn't
1: it? Absolutely amazing. And where does it start from? It starts from the leaders. Right.
0: right. And,
1: and, you know, I always, I, I, I've, been, I've been imploring to people uh, that we have a very unique opportunity to redesign our work, our lives, and the relationships we have during this mm-hmm. pandemic that we've never had before. Because there are, <laughs> there's no rulebook and we can we really need to take advantage of that and be proactive and intentional about that uh, and really create the relationships because we don't know what our direct reports want right now we don't know what our clients need we don't know what kind of relationships they even want to have with us this is an opportunity to hit a reset button and have a Mm -hmm. conversation to re-engage of what that relationship looks like how they want to be coached how they want to be supported uh, and make sure you're connected with uh, the changes that each person prospect client direct report salesperson has gone through over these last 19 months
0: right yeah and, and I, I think when you talk about that communications you talk about that caring um, that certainly does set a better stage for then you know moving into a more effective coaching strategy um, I want to go back to the scenario we talked a little bit about, though. So, you know, I'm that sales manager. Um, you gave me some advice on on how to hire somebody, um, and now it let's let's take it a step further. Um, imagine me coming in as that first time manager. Mm-hmm. I think I think that oftentimes we run into this problem that a first time manager thinks that you know. I'm the chief problem solver, right? And and so why is that important for me to avoid that mindset as a first-time manager? Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, it, and, and this is the eternal conundrum. This is the global epidemic as well, Bev. I'm sure you've never experienced what I'm about to share. I hope my sarcasm is <laughs> translating. But there we have that top salesperson. And we're looking at that top salesperson and we're saying, wow, It's time for them to get promoted. And we go to them and say, hey, you ready to be a manager? And the top salesperson looks around, they say, sure, I'll be a manager. And just like that, they're a manager. But of course, no onboarding, no coach training, okay? We just say, hey, this great salesperson should be a, a manager. But the problem is they've never been taught how to coach. They know how to sell. So every single time one of their you know uh, ex-peers or one of their direct reports comes to them looking for help all the manager knows is what that rep has experienced okay so what is that conversation going to sound like hey deb you know what i'm really glad you came to me you know what i've experienced pretty much the same situation you have with a prior client this is what i did so you should do this too okay. now you do do that one person um two five people on your team 10, 20, 50, 100, you cannot scale dependency. And the irony is that managers think they're doing a favor for their people. They think, oh, this is my value. I am a subject matter expert, I'm the SME. So when my people come to me, I get to share uh, and impart my worldly wisdom and experience and have them go out and, and practice that. But the problem is, we're not tapping into their individuality, we're not coaching to the individual, we are building mini me's and robots, okay? And we're not <laughs> developing people. Because last time I checked, I don't know a manager who uh, doesn't want a team of independent, accountable people. Well, every single time a manager provides the answer, they're actually creating the very thing they want to avoid. It's a paradox. You give an answer, what message do you send me? Hey boss, thanks. Now I know that every time I have a problem, I can come to you and you'll fix it for me. Thanks for doing my job. And the real cost is this, when a manager provides an answer, idea, solution, and that salesperson goes out and executes on it and it doesn't work, whose fault is it? Then that's to go back and say, hey, yeah, not my fault. It's your fault
0: right. you know, we want to do right.
1: congratulations we've now robbed people of the very accountability we want to instill there's a word for that it's called insanity and, <laughs> you, you know it, it's and that's why it is so critical for managers to be able to lead with questions rather than lead with answers and i just before we step over this there's something else that's critical for managers to hear is this Even though we're coming from a good place and we truly want to serve and help our people, we're not developing the future bench of future leaders. Mm -hmm. And not only will people feel like, hey, this is great. My manager is going to do my job and I don't have to be accountable. But keep in mind this. There are people that are going to think, wow, I guess my manager doesn't trust me. Mm -hmm. I guess my manager doesn't think I can do my job. I guess they don't have faith in me, and that's certainly affecting the faith and trust I have in myself and in my manager. What do you think that's going to do to that person? How do you think that's going to impact their attitude, mindset, confidence, and self-worth?
0: They're going to start looking for a new job soon. (laughs) Um, And the other thing, Keith, is you know, I, I agree with everything that you said. Um, and you know, not only is it demotivating, but you're also just squashing like that whole creative creativity piece. Um, so, so we sort of know what we're not supposed to do, right? Like I'm not supposed to be the, the sales manager that walks in and says, you know, I can solve this problem cause I had this problem before. So what is the, the coaching framework that I should be embracing in order to, to You know, be be a good coach.
1: Sure. And 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 this you know, pouring a foundation on this, why is leading with questions so much more powerful than leading with answers? Because people resist what they hear but believe what they say. So Mm -hmm. if I'm told what to do, I may resist it. If you ask open-ended, non-loaded leading questions that help me self-reflect and self-empower me. To level my critical thinking to come up with a solution or insight, I'm going to own it because I created it. Or what else is right. I going to do? Build accountability and, and critical thinking and confidence that people need more than ever today. So, right. to and your-
0: motivation, uh- right? Confidence and motivation
1: and And to your point is is you know you're, you can't do that without leading with questions so and that 's why I say to managers, you know your job's hard enough in the most simplistic form, selling is a language in the most simplistic form, leadership is a language, and the language of leadership and the language of selling is coaching. so if you want to develop a holistic coaching culture throughout your organization. The entire company needs to be speaking coach. And when you Mm -hmm. do that, you break down barriers. You become more empathetic and connected to other people and, of course, departments, which breaks down silos. Uh, Managers are coaching managers. Salespeople are coaching their manager. Manager coaching their salespeople. Salespeople are coaching their customers. That's how you develop a holistic culture of trust and and coaching. Mm -hmm.
0: So you say, you know, to lead with questions. So, you know, walk me through the, the steps that I would have to, to do in order to to start that process.
1: Sure, I will give but, everyone right now my sixty second coaching strategy. Okay, Bev, you just you just reminded me. <laughs> I, I make sure I shared this with everyone, so every manager here when they leave, they're not just saying. This was mind blowing, but they're going to say, hey, Keith gave me a strategy I can use in my next conversation with anyone. Clients, peers, direct reports, okay? Customers, here it is. Someone comes to you, they're looking for help. You have, that's your defining moment. You could go this way and be the chief problem solver and do that for the rest of that person's career or you can go this way and lead with a question. So what is the 60 second sales uh, coaching strategy? It's this, hey Bev, thanks for coming to me. I'm happy to share my opinion with you. However, you're much closer to this than I am and I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to handle this and achieve the results you want? Now I am from New York and when I get excited, I have tendency to talk fast. Even pacing myself, I believe that was under 30 seconds. So now you can use that with anyone. Now keep in mind, we're talking about the language of coaching and leadership because the definition of coaching is the art and language of creating new possibilities. So Mm -hmm. notice The question I asked was, what's your opinion on how to achieve the results you want? What I didn't say is what's the answer, what's your strategy, what's your solution? Because answers, strategies, and solutions can be right or wrong. Opinions are objective. Everyone has an opinion. and That's why when you ask, what's your opinion on how to handle this? They can't say, I don't know. You don't know your own opinion. They're not to be judged because now managers are thinking, okay, Keith, great question, I'm gonna be using this all day long, every single time everyone comes to me. However, I could see this working if I ask the question and they come up with a really good strategy and they run with it, fantastic. Then they're accountable, then we schedule a time to follow up and assess uh, outcome. But what happens if they provide a, an idea or solution that I know will not work? Or what happens if they provide something that has a few good ideas, but it's not a fully baked solution, okay? Do I let them just run and fail? No, here's what you do. When you hear there's three types of gaps in every conversation, okay? Number one, okay, Um, no gap, perfectly baked. Fully baked solution, you have them go execute. Number two, partially baked, some good ideas, but there needs to be a little more depth maybe uh, into the strategy process or language that they're going to need to execute to achieve the results. Or third, not baked at all. They probably don't even have the ingredients, a kitchen or even the pot to cook in. (laughs) Okay. You know that. So how do you respond? What you don't do is, are you kidding me? How long have you been on your job? No, they'll never want to be coached by you again. What you respond with is this, Thank you for sharing your opinion. I really appreciate it. Let's walk through your ideas together, and this way we can come up with the best strategy for you to achieve the goals you want. Now it becomes a collaboration, a conversation, and you are avoiding the interrogation.
0: So I just want to comment on a, a couple of things that you said. One is, um, you gave me that opinion strategy in probably, you know, one of our first meetings, and I always use it today because uh, to your point, everybody has an opinion. And so, you know, even when, when one of my sales reps is hesitant, uh, I'll just say, well, you, you know, you have to have an opinion on this, right? And then, you know, they tend to open up. So it is a great, great strategy, um, for pulling out, um, information. I also think, when you talked about when you're at that crossroad, right? Like, you know, is it, is it partially baked, not baked? Um, I think, you know, you talk a lot, Keith, in the past about, you know, you wanna create new possibilities and, and I sitting there as the coach, um, I don't want my, my thoughts to sort of bleed out and to lead them, you know, to mm-hmm. an answer because we could come up with something totally different from what I'm thinking of and it could be a good answer. So mm-hmm. how do you sort of manage that half-baked conversation so that you're, you're opening up all possibilities and, and not, not narrowing them to what you think is best?
1: Yeah, thank you for that. One of the most toxic traps that managers fall into. Uh, and, and just reflecting back on the strategy we just shared, consider this, if you have time to give an answer, you have time to ask a question. That's why every conversation is a coaching conversation. That being said, uh, and Bev, I'll I'll answer your question this way. Uh, There's a difference between coaching someone and closing someone. Now, personally, I'm just using the word closing because everyone understands that vernacular when you're closing a deal. However, if we were to take a side note on that, I think it's the wrong word because you're not closing a deal, you're opening an opportunity. That being Mm -hmm. said, cost of being a very literal person, occupational hazard, I guess. So going back to my point, when sales leaders come to me and say, Keith, I'm having a hard time coming up with the questions that are going to guide the person to where I want them to be, that's not coaching. That's closing someone. That's called manipulation. Nobody wants to be manipulated. So what's a leading loaded question? Sounds something like this. So Beth, don't you think it would be a good idea to follow the processes that you've been given? Wow, let me think about that more. You know what, I have a great idea. I'm gonna follow the processes I've been given. Wow, you need Jedi mind tricking them, okay? That's manipulation and that's why people don't want to be coached, okay? You're not leading them to where you want them to be. You're creating a new possibility that both you and the coachee have never seen before. And that makes your job fun again. So if managers, mm-hmm. are not, if you're not waking up excited about your day, excited about what's ahead of you, excited about working with your team, it's really simple. You're not coaching. You're doing something else. And I always tell managers, hey, we got the same job. Okay, I just work for myself. And I have my clients that I'm coaching every day because my job is to make them more valuable in every area of their life. Guess what your job is? In every conversation, working with your peers, working with your team, your job is to make your people more valuable every day.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you Mm -hmm. know what? That's when you're doing that and you're coaching, that's when your job becomes fun again. Because it gets right. really old and monotonous, Dev, as you know, giving the same answers over and over and over again. That is not fun. It becomes mundane. Uh, right. But this coaching, you know, I always say, you know, you know you're having fun in your job when you're coaching your people.
0: And I think, too, you know, you almost have to wake up every morning with that mindset that, you know, I'm going to create new possibilities. I'm not going to, you know, think in a, in a – in, you know, in a vacuum.
1: If I could just jump in on that, it's interesting because there's, there's really two questions that sales leaders wake up and ask themselves every day. Um, the first question is they wake up and say, what do I need to do to achieve my business objectives? That's the wrong question. The right question sales leaders need to ask themselves when they wake up in the morning is, what do I need to do today to make my people more valuable than they were yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's the mindset of truly right. a transformational leader and coach.
0: And then your your whole flywheel starts moving, right? It's
1: moving the job, right? For yeah. us to make our your job as a leader is to make your people more valuable every day, not to push them to drive results and metrics. They know their goals. Your job is to make them more valuable, and the byproduct is: guess what? They achieve what they need without the stress, frustration, running around being the chief problem solver and worry.
0: So Keith, I want to talk about two scenarios that come to mind You know, when you think about this coaching strategy. Um, do you approach it any differently You know, if you have to have a, a conversation on a sensitive subject or a low-performing rep? Like, how would you approach it there?
1: Yeah. So uh, interesting. So when I'm uh, working with leaders, uh, one of the uh, conversations we have is I begin with uh, how many of how many of you um, uh, have to have difficult conversations, and of course, inevitably every manager everybody
0: right? <laughs> every manager. Right.
1: And then I say to them, "What if there's no such thing as a difficult conversation?" They kind of look at me like this. And I would say, stop for a second. You know, this is time for your self-reflection, right? What makes a conversation difficult? It's the assumptions we make going into the conversation, which then drive our behavior and communication. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's give an example. Let's say, Bev, you and I, the last time we had a conversation, let's say it didn't go very well, it blew up. Now, of course, this has never happened in all the years we've worked together, but just <laughs> for the sake of this, this situation here, uh, let's say that did happen. Now, you and I have to have another conversation. What is my internal narrative? Oh, the last time I had a conversation with Bev, mm-hmm. it just blew up. Oh, I know this is going to happen again. So we're taking a past experience projecting it as a future expectation yeah based on that future expectation we are then going to act based on that expectation and assumption and then you leave and what do we say i knew that was going to happen again and you create a self-fulfilling prophecy what's the answer Uh, assumptions are the root cause of all evil Lost sales, departmental breakdowns, uh, departmental silos, um, uh, strained relationships. Uh, park your assumptions and come from a place of focusing on the facts. Okay. And the only way you can do that is stop worrying about the future, stop worrying about the past, and then start being more present.
0: Mm-hmm. I, like, I like the strategy. Um, The only other thing that comes to mind for me, though, and and I'm just curious on on the advice you would give, is how how do I, and and I'm thinking of this more from a a tenured sales manager, Um, you know, the quarter's going on, right? And as I start getting more and more pressure, what is today, like, you know, September 22nd, like, how do I manage my pipeline but yet, manage being an effective coach because mm-hmm. you know as the quarter goes on, the the reins are getting tighter on on my neck.
1: <laughs> Dev, are you trying to bait me with this question? I think this no. is a, I think this is a trick question because here's the thing: if if managers are asking themselves and and uh, 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 I'm going to try not to go on a rant. I find it fascinating when managers tell me I don't have time to coach. Mm -hmm. And to give you an example, let me just, an illustration. I've had this conversation numerous times. I have a group of senior leaders, executives, uh, L&D, enablement on the call, and we're talking about rolling out uh, a coaching initiative. And uh, inevitably, uh, the leaders, and I would hear it from several of them, they would say, Keith, listen, when we roll this out, we want our managers to coach 70% of their time. Now, once I hear that, I know they have no clue what coaching is. So Mm -hmm. I would ask them, excuse me, uh, senior leaders, dear managers, uh, may I ask, uh, do you currently have a universal definition of coaching uh, that everyone is bought into and aligned around? No. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Coaching isn't something you do to someone. And this is why when managers say, oh, it's the end of the quarter, I don't have time to coach. That's like saying I don't have time to breathe. Because coaching is a language, it's something you speak in every conversation. It's how you show up. It's not something like, hey, everyone, I'm putting my coaching hat on right now, and I'm going to coach you. I know I'm not going to be the the, the directive chief problem solver. I'm going to be the coach. No, it's not something you do 60, 70, 80% of the time. It's something you do 100% of the time because it's just how you engage with people.
0: Yeah, no, and and I after I asked the question, I totally get now um, h- how how you answered it. Um, I want to do two things. Um, we have a question from the audience, and I, I think it's an interesting one uh, uh, that I want to share with you to get your per- opinion. So, how do you assess if if someone is coaching correctly, right, or or are mm-hmm. they effective coaches? So, you know, and I'm assuming this question is maybe being asked by. You know a sales rep that has a manager like how how do we as an organization um, get a pulse on who is effectively coaching
1: mm-hmm. and you know it's interesting, and we can look at that from both ways. We can look at it through the salesperson's eyes, and then of course, we can look at it through the manager's eyes. Uh, the most simplistic answer is. Uh, And and it's really the three principles of of leadership that I share with leaders. And guys, get ready to write this down. Here they come. Number one, first principle of leadership, let your people do their job. Here comes the second principle, let your people do their job. (laughs) Out there feeling clairvoyant, do you know what the third one might be? I can't do? imagine what it is. is. Oh, that's why we've hired them. So we, we need to make sure that we're scaling them. And, you know, Bev, to, to the way, uh, you know, back to your question here. Um, focusing on um the conversations is really what managers have to do because there's a whole new set of conversations that they have to master uh and be proactive and intentional about really crafting them in an effective way that's going to drive the engagement that they need today in a remote world now i know there was Got a second it. part of your question there if you don't mind asking me that again
0: no it was more i i think it's like how you know how do you make sure people are are effective right like how do you make how are we what is the baseline we're, we're probably using across the organization to, to make sure people are, are doing their jobs? And, and I'm, I'm just wordsmithing this question that's coming no, in, no, but no. that's what I'm assuming is being asked.
1: Perfect, because and I, I, managers often ask me, Keith, how do I hold people accountable? Keith, how do, I, how do I know what they're motivated by? Keith, how do I know what their career goals are? Keith, um, you know how do I know what their priorities are? Uh, uh, you know, how do I know if they're getting value from coaching? It's really simple, okay? If you're banging your head against the wall, you're asking the wrong person. Ask them; they'll happily tell you. So, if mm-hmm. so, if my framework, the lead framework, the last part is that debrief. And creating the momentum, accountability, and action steps to achieve goals. And okay, and, and continue driving results. Once that's done, though, part and this is something I still do today. I will always ask, um, and it doesn't matter if it's a client I've been working with for a month or a client I've been working with for ten years. Uh, and it's maybe I don't do it after every coaching session, but inevitably I will ask, "Hey, listen, I know we've been working on this, or we've been coaching a long time. What?" if anything would you like me to change around how i'm coaching you mm-hmm. i also keep that in my prep form when i when that client send me a form which basically outlines what they expect from the coaching session and for those of you who are not using a prep form i certainly implore you to do so even with your even with your team three simple questions what are your wins what are your challenges what are your expectations? What do you want to work on today? Because in every co- coaching conversation, remember, it's always the coach's agenda. I hope every manager hears that. I don't often talk in absolutes. It's always the coach's agenda. Now, under that, I also say, you know, what, if anything, would you like to change in your coaching? So I'm always keeping the finger on the pulse because priorities from 18, 19 months ago, goals, values have changed. Everyone's goals, values, priorities have changed over the last 18, 19 months. We need to make sure we keep the finger on the pulse of making of how we're coaching people to, to ensure they're getting the value, the support they need.
0: And so when you think about keeping the finger on the pulse, right? Um, if if you were to roll out a coaching framework mm-hmm. that, that you're speaking of, um, I'm sure there are still, you know, be, bad behaviors that bleed through, right? You, you've, you've, you've um, done some training with us, and you know, we leave your training, and for weeks we're good, and then we tend to fall into our old habits. You know, what is your advice for like? How do you, how do you keep the the momentum going? How do you coach the coach? Yeah,
1: uh, I, I am uh, well without implementing a peer-to-peer structure uh the coaching may not be as long-lasting now i'm not saying that for every leader because most leaders when they experience what good coaching looks like and feels like they don't leave training my training say oh i guess my company invested in me so i have to coach they're leaving saying i can't wait to coach i want to coach because great coaching from my peer and um I coached them and they had some breakthroughs during the training. Can't wait to do that with my people because most managers Mm -hmm. truly want to have a positive impact. Um, And and that's the part where um, I will always work with a client. And with every client I work with, uh, you deliver the training, you deliver the reinforcement. But I always make sure that everyone is paired up with a peer coach, a peer accountability coach and they work with that coach, whether it's three months, six months, nine months, maybe they alternate coaches. Uh, the point is, is that builds accountability. Um, quite mm-hmm. frankly, around the things that they need to be doing anyway. Uh, yeah. In addition, it's, it's giving the managers an opportunity to get authentic um, uh, tr- coaching in a very safe and trusted environment from their peer. Mm-hmm. Because you know the one thing that I always hear when working with teams of managers is key. I don't think we've ever gotten together and done this as a team. And I hear that companies pre-pandemic, as well as now, Keith. I mean, you, you, you know, we've never had this opportunity to break out and have these conversations and connect with people like this. We've never had, we never did this before. And and providing that foundation. You know, something managers desperately need as well. I mean, after all, managers want to be able to support their people who's supporting the managers.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that idea. And one of the reasons why I love that idea is when you look at a lot of stats, um, you know, reps talk about how that tribal knowledge that peer-to-peer learning is so important to them so mm-hmm. it's a way you know to, to buddy up people so that they can you know easily l- learn from one another um, so so key-
1: on that note Bev, i would also say again if if, if companies and by the way less than one percent of companies have a true authentic coaching culture happen to do. If anyone to challenge me on that, uh, but the other part of that, and, and this will also uh, demonstrate if you do have an authentic coaching culture is as a manager, have you empowered your direct reports to coach you and hold you accountable? If the answer is no, well, then that's an opportunity for you to have that conversation with them. Uh, And create the alignment, and the through through enrolling them, and creating buy-in around coaching, what it looks like, and making sure that you have very clearly articulated that law of reciprocity, which is, hey, you know what? If if I want you to be coachable, I have to be coachable. If if I want you to trust me, I have I have to trust you. If if you want me to, you know, if I want you to open up, I, I have to open up. The law of reciprocity always starts with the manager, and that's the great news because creating the culture always starts with you.
0: Got it. Um, So we are almost at time, and it just goes so fast when I chat with you. So i have I have one or two more questions and comments. So first off, you know, to the audience, you can see why Keith is my Jerry Garcia. Um, He just, you know, when when. You think about all of the challenges that we faced as sales managers. You know, to be able to embrace his coaching strategy really helps in making our jobs um, more effective, making our jobs more fun, um, keeping our reps motivated. Um, you know, managing any attrition issues. So, you know, there's there's just this huge thread that when you take a active approach on coaching, what how it impacts. Um, so my first question is, so favorite song, is it Shakedown Street or Friend of the Devil? Because oh, right, I like both you can. of those.
1: You can play them both, but uh, favorite song. Now that is a question I cannot even begin to answer because we would have to go through every genre and <laughs> of music. So we'll have to save that for another session. Beth.
0: All right. I'm looking forward to that session. And then Keith, I just want you to, you know. You have so much knowledge. Why don't you share with the audience, you know, ways that they can access um, you know, your 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 expertise.
1: Oh, sure. Um, uh, real simple blog, KeithRosen.com. Uh and most most importantly, I would suggest everyone immediately connect with me on LinkedIn uh send me an invite happy to connect because i want to continually be a resource for you whether you like it or not I'm your coach now for life so (laughs) follow me on twitter let's connect on linkedin i'm posting uh unique resources that i don't post anywhere else um uh, and finally make sure you go to udemy and sign up for my two free classes Okay, for your salespeople, how to deliver the perfect presentation in a remote world, I kind of think everyone needs to learn that, free. For the leaders, for you, how to coach a remote team of sales champions. I I put this out there because, you know, I've been blessed that I've been able to, to make an impact with people all over the world and i just want to make sure i'm giving back consistently when people need it most so please do yourself um do do your family do your team do your company a favor go through those courses uh that would make a massive impact on, on on everyone around you including yourself so uh other than that my uh personal email is uh keith r at keithrosen.com. And if you'd like to shoot me a text, uh, as I said, uh, I'm your coach unconditionally. My mobile number is 516-231-2774. So hopefully I'll hear from you and certainly see you on LinkedIn.
0: Thanks so much, Keith. It's been great being with you. Appreciate all that you have um, shared with us and I know that you also embrace being grateful, so I'm very grateful that you are able to join us. Thank Thanks, you. everybody, Thank for coming to this session, and um, we look forward to speaking with you in the future.